WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. Allie Larder is going to play a 40-year-old single mom who wants to be an NFL cheerleader in a new Fox TV series. Allie Larder, of course, uh, memorably wore the whipped cream bikini in the movie Varsity Blues. Why not just do a Varsity Blues sequel? It got to be better than this 40-year-old cheerleader thing because it don't say much about the empowerment of women when a TV series is about a 40-year-old who can't get past the notion of being objectified as a cheerleader. Now, I will watch. I've always wondered, after the whipped cream bikini scene of Varsity Blues, did any women actually try that? If so, suck as guts to know, because as hot as that scene was, you could see that if uh, Mox had done the right thing and nailed, uh, what was her name? Allie Larder, whatever her character's name was, Darcy. Had Mox nailed Darcy, there would have been whipped cream all over the place. On the furniture, on his leather jacket, it wouldn't just get, uh, varsity jacket rather, it wouldn't just get on the fun parts by any means. Yo, why do we still have cheerleaders? That's a serious question. Why do we still have cheerleaders? It is obviously objectification of women. The men do the grunt work out there on the field. It's all macho and penis waving. And the women dress provocatively on the sideline and cheer the men. And the subconscious message clearly is, we can't wait to have sex with you when the game's over. If you're sweaty and bloody, so much the better. The whole concept is offensive to me. It's been offensive to the Rooney family because... They've never had cheerleaders for the Steelers. It's time to ban cheerleaders, especially at the high school level. Unless they're funny like the kids in Bring It On. Burr! It's cold in here. There must be some Toros in the atmosphere. I said burr! And now Allie Larder is a 40-year-old who can't get over her mad desire to be objectified. And they're making a TV show out of that. It really is cold in here. Captain Nemo brought you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. It's amazing what we don't get upset about. Because, again, I'm not kidding. I'm getting some tweets, oh, you're just kidding. No, I'm not. Cheerleading is the objectification of women. It should be banned. This TV series with Allie Larder confirms that. Uh, And the link between athlete on the field and cheerleader off the field is so clear. It's man does the work, wife stays in the kitchen. That is the symbolism. Always has been. So it's amazing what we don't get upset about and then what we do get upset about. There's uh, a big fuss, rightly so, because it's the 75th anniversary of the Battle of the Bulge. And somebody discussing that posted a picture of a Nazi soldier on social media. You know, typical Aryan master race looking guy, SS logo, clearly in view. 
and there were a, a couple hundred responses. Oh, how can you display that imagery? Well, it's the 75th anniversary of the Battle of the Bulge, and the Nazis were there, you know. It wasn't a training exercise at West Point. It was a battle, and we kicked their ass. We kicked Nazi ass. But you can't pretend they weren't there. That series on HBO, Band of Brothers, if the Nazis weren't there, that would have been a boring watch. Same with the opening of Saving Private Ryan. Everybody would have just been sitting around if the Nazis don't show up. Wait a minute, what time is it? It's, it's 3 o'clock. They were supposed to be here. 412-333-9939. You won't hear that monologue anywhere else on Sports Talk. The objectification of cheerleaders, Nazi imagery on Twitter, you won't hear that anywhere else on Sports Talk. And maybe that's good. Uh, we were talking about what song should replace Renegade as the Steelers' rally song. And something should, because that's just run its course. I was thinking maybe Reb Beach singing Dixie Chicken uh, as he does in his solo shows. And I have to vent here. I have a bone to pick with Reb Beach. White Snake guitar player, Oakmont, Fox Chapel. You know the resume. He's playing a solo show to celebrate the holidays somewhere this weekend. I found out about it secondhand. Why do I have to find out about that secondhand from Reb Beach? Doesn't want me there? I don't know. I think it's Friday at the Hard Rock. And there I've gone and plugged the show that I didn't get invited to. And I have an appearance, but why does Reb keep everything he does secret? I had to find out about Black Swan secondhand, and now this, this gig secondhand. Oh, well. Dixie Chicken and all that. 412-333-9939. Uh, I want to go over this TJ Watt. Uh, statistical line. He ranks in the top five in the NFL in sacks, tackles for loss, quarterback hits, forced fumbles, and fumbles recovered. He could become the third player to accomplish that since 2008. The others were his brother JJ in 2014 and Jared Allen of Minnesota in 2011. That's amazing. And here are the actual numbers. 14 games played by TJ Watt, 45 tackles, 13 sacks, 31 quarterback hits, Two interceptions, seven passes defended, six forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries. Absolutely amazing. Let's go to John and Butler. John, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, big fan, big fan. Thank you very little. Hey, you, you want a, a bad TV show, you should watch the show Shameless. Oh, my God. Oh, that's the, a great TV show. The... I've watched the oh, couple. Oh, yeah. William H. Macy. 15-year-olds. No, it's a, it's a great TV, TV show. What, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What yeah, do you I want? know. Hey, I always ask people, uh, do you know what the team will look like after Ben? Well, guess what? You're getting it this year. They, the Steelers never. Well, that's not so I, bad, Because they are 8-6. and six. Yeah, they're 8-6, but everyone here expects Super Bowls every year. They're not going to have Ben in two, three, four years. You know, I, I'd love, you know, the receivers will get hurt. James Conner will still be on the team part-time. He'll be a part-time run, running back. Oh, no, I think, he he, I think he'll go after his contract's up. Uh, I don't think they have any faith in him. And if they do, then they'll be uh, having faith in the story and not the player because the player's uh, hurt all the time. But uh, let me yeah, tell Kimo you one really thing that on the Duck's success has confirmed in my mind, and that's that the hatred for Ben on the Internet is real. 
and I think it's a minority, but I think it's a big minority. He won you two Super Bowls, and that's not good enough. He's fat. He has a beard. He committed unspeakable crimes. Everything about him is bad when it comes to Ben, at least on social media. It really is. Those who persecute Ben on social media far outnumber those who praise him. But that's okay because the critics all know what happened. He won you two Super Bowls. He brought two Super Bowls to a crap sports town for crap fans who can't be bothered to show up at their crappy stadium on Sundays, who sold their tickets to Bills fans. You sold out. You're traitors. You didn't deserve Ben. You don't deserve me. Of course, that could be taken two ways. Let's go to uh, Captain Jack in West Mifflin. Captain Jack will get you high here on 105.9 The X. Hi, Mark. How you doing? Great. Uh, the Steelers did have cheerleaders for a couple of years in the late 60s. They had uh, Point Park co-eds. But uh, after a couple of years, uh, a couple of them turned up pregnant, and uh, the chief said that was enough of that and got rid of pregnant them. Pregnant by who? By the players. I just, I do believe that, but I think I'm supposed to say I don't believe that. None were pregnant by the chief, were they? No, but he, he said when he found out about it, he goes, that's the end of the cheerleaders. They have, it was about two or three years they had Point Park Junior College co-eds. Well, they have a no fraternizing rule, I believe, with, with current day NFL cheerleaders. They can't bang the players, which means when they do, they get fired. Because they do. Burr, it's cold in here. Let's go to Kevin and Ross Township. Kevin, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, big fan. How you doing? Terrific. Hey, Mark, I'm just trying to understand the connection here and the difference between the objectification of cheerleaders that you take issue with and then the promotion of strip clubs. Because strip clubs are strip clubs. You opt to go there. Those women are making their own decisions. The cheerleaders are making their own decisions, too, but they're shoved out in the public eye, and the objectification is endorsed by the Pittsburgh Steelers. I endorse it. I don't care what they do at strip clubs. I've stopped going there because I'm an old man, and things don't work as well as they used to. (laughs) I mean, my eyes. But but it's it's just different, bro. I mean, how can you draw a similarity is what I have to ask you. Well, because it's their choice. Oh, it's the cheerleader's choice, but it's still objectification. And it's in the public eye. It's tied into the most popular entertainment entity in the country. Well said, sir. Thank you. It really is. It really is. Hey, you know what? If the NFL paid me to endorse their cheerleaders, I'd do it gladly. You know, Bob McLaughlin pointed something out I've not figured out till now. He said before the show that it was hot in my studio. And I didn't think it was, but I'm sweating bullets right now. Good thing I have coffee. It's not as bad as it was at 1250, but radio studios, the one at 1250, I was like the poltergeist room. Like it would be like 10 below one minute and, you know, 94 the next minute. Okay, we got a bunch of people with suggestions for songs to replace Renegade. I don't want to talk about that. I, I, I probably should have made that more clear. I want that tweeted to me. I don't want to debate songs on radio. If I want to do that, I'd play music. So hang up on these three dorks, and we'll get to different dorks after the break. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. He's a prissy, sissy, dancy boy. No matter who the goalie, when we 
I was talking earlier about Allie Larder, who played Darcy in Varsity Blues. You all remember the whipped cream bikini. She's doing a series for Fox TV where she's a 40-year-old single mom who wants to be an NFL cheerleader. She's actually 48. She says she will not show Varsity Blues to her kids. I bet her kids' friends have seen it, particularly the boys, if you get my drift. Maybe not whipped cream, but, uh, well, I've said too much. 412-333-9930 on the number to call. Now, see, I'm getting tweets about what song should replace Renegade as the Steelers' rally song. And let's be very blunt. Nothing will replace Renegade because the Steelers are just going to keep playing it until the earth implodes, which the more they play Renegade seems like a relatively attractive option. But people are suggesting, like, Wiz Khalifa, Black and Yellow. And I love Wiz. But that wouldn't rally the stadium. I don't know. Maybe I should just become resigned to the fact that Renegade's corny and it's going to be played forever at Heinz Field. Uh, by the way, the over-under for the Steeler game on Sunday is 38-and-a-half. That's Steelers at the Jets. Uh, that's the second lowest number in the NFL. Last week's 36 for Steelers' Bills was the lowest. I'm still going under. How could I not go under after I've won the last four games going under? How could I not? Bob, do you want to uh, bet? No, we'll talk about that uh, when you come on. Bob lost 50 bucks to me because he took the over. What a rube. 412-333-9939. Let's go to Ben. Ben, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. Are you there? Yes, Ben, I am. How odd right. that I would be here after you called a number specifically looking <laughs> to talk to me. Go ahead. All right. Listen, I just wanted to make things clear. I'm, there might be the alcohol talking, but I think you're a numbskull. Okay, I, well, goodbye then. And believe me, if you ever came up to me with the alcohol talking in person, it would be your scum that quite your skull. But am I slurring my words? Maybe it's the alcohol talking. It would be your skull that would quite literally be numb. By the way, Ray Donovan, I watched the new episode. The body count's just unbelievable. You got crazy Mickey and this old woman and the 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 dorky Stepson? No, uh, half Wait, hold on. Daryl is the stepbrother to the other Donovans, but he is a he is a full son with Mickey. Anyway, they're going around it. It's like this inadvertent killing spree. I say inadvertent. I can't describe. They they end up just having to kill everybody. Watch it. You'll know what I mean. Let's go to uh, Logan in the car. Logan, you're on with Mark. How's it going, bud? Great. Hey, I got two things to ask you. Uh, one. Um, I don't know if you remember at the very beginning of the game when Josh Allen fumbled on top of, I can't remember who it was, um, and they overturned that and said it wasn't a fumble. They said uh, he was down by contact. That was a very close call, wasn't it? Yeah, it was very close. And the second thing is, um, in my opinion, Matt Murray really hasn't been himself since his father passed. Uh, I, you're not I, the first person to say that. Uh, when I do the Hockey Night show at 530, I'll go into more detailed explanation but, Logan, I know that Mike Buckley, the goaltending coach, is working very closely and uh, putting in extra time with Matt Murray. 
I think they think he will he will be the number one goalie again this season, but it won't be till Jari cools off. And if Jari never cools off, well, that's a good problem to have. But they will not yank the rug out from under Jari as as long as he's playing like he is. And yeah. again, then you come back to the end of the season problem. Matt Murray's not going to get even close to Vasilevsky money, and that's what he wants. All right, up next, he is the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports scene. We got Dennis from Whitehall on hold. He wants to talk about Paxton Lynch's status for next year. The Pirates might sign him, but I'm not going to talk about that. My, my God, see, that's what ruins most sports talk shows. That the people who host will indulge talk about the Paxton Lynch. If you go back to the start of the season, he's like the fifth or sixth string quarterback. Who cares what happens to him? Stan Saver next, 1059. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Big Sexy. Hey, Mark. Love the show, man. You could have the iron sheet to humble one person. Who would it be? Sally Wiggins again. The X at 1059. Joining me now, he is the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media. Always a pleasure to talk to Stan Saverin. Stan, before we talk Steelers, I want to talk about George Ferguson, the Penguin winger who passed away a couple days ago. He scored that big overtime goal to eliminate Buffalo back in 1979. And it's worth noting uh, that was the only Penguins playoff series win from 75 through 89. So uh, George Ferguson was a pretty good player, scored 20 goals four straight seasons, and that goal gave Penguin fans hope when there really wasn't much to go around. Yeah, I remember that goal, Mark. Uh, the game was televised back to Pittsburgh. There weren't many of those games televised in those days. Uh, as I remember, it was a best-of-three playoff series. Correct. Um, and and I remember watching the game on TV uh, and seeing him score that goal. Uh, the thing that always struck me about Fergie, he was a very quiet guy. I mean, he didn't – you know. Didn't have much to say. Um, you know, just a quiet guy. Um, he had great speed for E Flyer, obviously. Um, he, had, he, was, he was so much quicker than so many people. It makes me wonder, you know, how would he have fit into Mike Sullivan's uh, game today? I think he'd do uh, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, he had that kind of speed. You didn't see that all that much. Or at least there wasn't that much uh, emphasis put on speed, you know, back in those days. But, you know, yeah, they weren't good teams. They didn't make the playoffs all that often. Um, and it was, a, like you say, a playoff victory until they were able to beat the Rangers in 89 um, and then, of course, lost in seven of the Flyers uh, that same year. But I just remember what a, what a quiet guy was. And if I'm not mistaken, you might know more than I, uh, I, I think when he initially retired or shortly thereafter, he settled here in Pittsburgh. I think he, he was li- – I don't know if he was living in Pittsburgh when he that, that, that's away, co- No, that's correct, Stan. He lived the rest of his life in Pittsburgh after he retired. Okay. He played briefly for Minnesota after he left the Penguins, but he came back to Pittsburgh. Yeah, so I thought. You didn't see him around much, you know, an event here and there. Um, but, yeah, I remember him. Just, um, you know, he was a very uh, – you know, they didn't have many stars back there, you know, Jean Pronovo and players like that, um, and Rick Kehoe. Uh, but but he was a really solid player, and um, you know up until that point, uh, you know scored one of the biggest goals in their history. Stan, uh, Ducks going to start Sunday. Tomlin confirmed it today. Is that what you would have done? Yes, um, uh, I would have played it this way, uh, and I think this is the way it should be played. Um, I would make this a mere situation from what we saw when Rudolph threw the four or they had the bad game in Cleveland, and then Tomlin started him against Cincinnati. 
wanted to give him a chance to work his way out of it, thinking he might. Um, when he didn't perform, he got yanked early in the third quarter. Now, there were extenuating circumstances because uh, of the Miles Garrett situation. Duck doesn't have that working against him. But I think that's the way to play it. Um, I, I don't think the coaching staff did him any favors against Buffalo Sunday night. Um, but I think that's the way. But I would also say this and add this caveat. Uh, if Duck starts out badly, and I don't mean the first series, but a half, whatever it is, um, you've got to have a short leash. You've got to yank him. You've got to do exactly what you did with Mason Rudolph when the same circumstance happened a month ago. I mean, Tomlin just can't sit with him all game long. So uh, the opposite of it is, what if he does start Mason Rudolph? Let's say he decides to start Mason Rudolph. What if Mason Rudolph stinks it out against the Jets in the first half? So now... Do you sit with him? Now you have to bring Duck back in, and he already knows that you don't have confidence in him or you wouldn't have benched him in the first place. Um, I think this is, I don't want to say safe, I think this is the best way to go. Uh, I would have started Rudolph stand, but I, I don't necessarily disagree with one word you've said. Another thing that the Steelers got to do is they can't abandon the run this time. Uh, when they abandoned the run against Buffalo and Duck wound up throwing 38 times, there was no reason to do that, first off, because they never trailed by more than seven, and it just didn't give them a chance to win. I know the Jets have a good run defense. The Steelers still got to run the ball. They got to establish balance, don't they? Absolutely. It's one of the things that I complained about last year when they threw the football 68% of the time, and that's with a Hall of Fame quarterback. You cannot win that way consistently. Now, you're not going to win the way they were winning this year consistently either. I mean, it was bound to catch up to them. I mean, you walk on the edge of a cliff, you're going to fall off eventually. Scoring one offensive touchdown in six out of it's going to come back and bite you, especially when you're playing a quality team. Now, you're not playing a quality team this year. I also suspect that one of the reasons that the Jets' run defense is so good is because teams say, why walk when you can fly? You can pass against them. And that doesn't mean you should go out and throw 40 times. But I do agree. I don't think just because someone says, oh, look, eight in the box, um, uh, oh, Bluto, uh, you know, we, we can't do anything. <laughs> well, uh, well, no, Stan, that, that's my point. I, I, I know a lot of people said that when the Bills put eight men in the box, you got to pass. But that's letting the other team dictate your game plan exactly. And the Bills didn't run the ball real well, but they never got away from it. They ran the ball 38 times. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the way they understand Josh Allen's limited. Um, now that he's got something that, that neither the Steeler quarterbacks do, and that's the ability to run. Uh, but aside from that, you cannot get away from that. Now, there are other ways that you can, uh, you know, uh, loosen up a defense, uh, you know, a jet sweep, a shovel pass, that kind of thing. In fact, I was one of the, I guess, one of the few people, I did not mind them going with the uh, the Wildcat on the goal at the 10-yard line. Look, they knew that they were going to have trouble getting the ball in the end zone. I'm okay with trying something. I would have gone with a shovel pass there. I'd have gone with Jalen Samuels doing it because he's done it. Right. I mean, yeah, that's that's another thing. Uh, but I would have gone with a shovel pass because if he drops it, it's an incomplete pass. But, I mean, they understand that their, their limitations are there. So you run a jet sweep, a little misdirection, use Kareth White a bit more. Um, and, and also, I mean, I do think, and we've had this conversation, I think, number one, let's look at that offensive line. Yeah, they're stacking the box. You know, you've got an accomplished offensive line. They should be better. 
they didn't even do a good job pass protecting against Buffalo. So let's look at them first. Um, the play calling, absolutely. You cannot quit on it. I looked up. Their third down conversion rate was unacceptable. And why? I looked up all the third down and distance. And about 14, uh, or excuse me, about 10 of the 14 third down conversions were of nine yards or more. Third and eight, third and nine, third and 12, third and 13. I don't care who the quarterback is, but especially if it's a guy named Duck Codgers, you're not beating that. You've got to run the ball at least to get to third and manageable. Having said that, there are other patterns that they can run. You know, they, they like they're trying these sideline routes. He's got good anticipation and a fast release, but he doesn't have arm strength. What you can do is run some slants. If they're, if they're uh, crowding the box, run a slant. The very first play of the game, Mark, he threw a slant pattern. Deontay Johnson, he was wide open, and he missed him. Those are the kinds of things that you can do to back them off a little bit. We're talking to Stan Saverin. He's brought to you by the law firm of Senderovich, Senderovich, and Fishman. Uh, Stan, you're right on the money. Here's the one disclaimer I'll have in terms of running the ball. I think Foster's washed up. I think Villanueva's not far behind. That side of the line has become a negative factor. I agree. Uh, neither of them has had uh, good years. Uh, in Villanueva's case, especially so. Uh, I was surprised they brought Foster back. Uh, because he was a free agent, and you know they knew that they had Finney. Uh, it would have hurt their depth a little bit. I think they brought Foster back for one more year. I, I think I know they signed to a, you know, a longer contract, but I think they brought him back for one more year because, obviously, not knowing Ben was going to get hurt, and given the, uh, the highly productive offense they had last year and what they expected coming back, I think they wanted him around for one more year and his leadership and all those kinds of things. Well, yeah, but Stan, um, you could still put B.J. Finney in right now, couldn't you? Yeah, you can. You can. Um, and and uh, I, I don't know what the grades are on either one. I know that their record is very good when Finney starts at whatever position. Um, I, I think you can. Again, I don't know what the analytics say. I don't know what the coach's tape says. Uh, I don't know that you have any options at left tackle. Um, obviously, Jukes is way down the list. You know, Banner's kind of a specialist guy, so you probably uh, have to go with uh, Villanueva. But I think overall, and again, I don't know uh, the coaches grade each game, put a percentage on how you performed, uh, but I think that overall, if you want to look at disappointment, you can be disappointed in the passing game, but you don't have Ben. You can be disappointed in the wide receivers, but you're missing your top guys. But overall, I would say that your biggest disappointment on the team thus far given all the circumstances, for sure, and, you know, defense is crowding the box, has to be the offensive line. Uh, Hayward was upset after the game because the Steelers' D didn't get a couple stops that were necessary, but while I understand Cam being pissed because he's a, a proud guy and he's having a great year, it's unfair to expect the D to win every game, isn't it? It is, uh, and it, it's unrealistic. Um, uh, you know, they're, they're very good. <clears throat> but they're not the 85 Bears. They're not the Steel Curtain. They're very, very good. But if you told me, Mark, uh, and tell me before every single game that the opponent will score 17 points, uh, and in this particular case, three points was given to them on that interception and 49-yard return, the defense there did a great job to hold them. That was, might have been their best defensive sequence of the year. Uh, when, when After the 49-yard return, they held them to a field goal. Um, you've got to accept that. 
Yes, they did allow a touchdown drive. Yes, they did allow them to convert on a third and 18. They got 12 on third down, a Josh Allen scramble, which then gave them the field position to go for it on fourth and six. Yes, they did do that. But if you're looking for a perfect game from a unit, you're going to spend a long time looking. Um, they gave and and they did whatever they had. They gave them turnovers. They gave them the ball. They turned. They forced Buffalo to turnover three times. The offense had the ball three times inside the twenty-seven and and didn't take advantage of that. So I mean, I get what Hayward's saying. I'm glad the standard is the standard. But no, I mean they did about as well as one could expect. Even though, even though that's not a great Buffalo offense. Uh, no question, Stan. Uh, and I, I got to throw in some numbers with the offense before we wrap up because the Steelers haven't scored 28 or more points all year, haven't had a 300-yard passer all year, and have scored exactly one offensive touchdown in six of the last seven games. For them to be where they're at, it's a miracle, but to expect it to continue when the offense is performing like that is probably foolhardy, and it wouldn't shock me if they lost to the Jets. I expect they'll win. It would not shock me. No, first of all, two months ago, when they won a couple, or a month and a half ago, and they won a couple games with that formula, I think you asked me, is that sustainable? And I said, no, it's not, unless they develop a running game. And well, instead, they, they sustained it longer than we thought, right? Yeah, they did. But, I mean, you know, eventually, and let's be fair, look, based on the injuries, they dropped the level against the bad teams that they were playing. Under normal circumstances, you know, you would expect them to beat the Arizonas and the Cincinnati's and the Miamis and the Indies and, you know, teams like that. But all bets are off when you look at the circumstance. Um, I told people after the Cleveland win here um, on the postgame show, I said, you know, you know, down to the last minute, I said, get used to it. Every game is going to be like this. Every game, because they're not good enough to run away from people, but they're good enough to hang in there. But as I said earlier, uh, I hate to repeat a cliche, if you walk along the edge of the cliff, sooner or later, you're going to get knocked off of it. And it was predictable. And when you stop and look at it in a different context, the mere fact that they have won seven of nine games is remarkable. It's a tribute to a lot of different areas, but look, all right, so they lost to Buffalo. Um, I got calls on my show today. The coordinators stink. Well, they didn't stink when they won seven of eight. I, so please explain how that, that works. That's right. Given the circumstance, they're just going to lose some games. Right. Um, or, or at the very least, they're going to struggle against anybody and everybody. I suspect that that will be the case against the Jets. The one thing that gives me some more hope against the Jets, they, you know, they had a little run there. It looks like they were starting to get some things together. They went to play um, uh, Baltimore on Thursday night, and I thought if the Jets truly are going to, you know, give it a you know big effort and they're getting better, younger team, blah blah blah, then they'll put out an effort against the Patriots. No, they got run over. That tells me that they are saying, "Oh boy, it's almost Christmas. It's cold out here. In another week and a half, I'll be on the beach." I think they've mailed it in. And I think if the Steelers somehow manage to get on top, I think you're going to look for the Jets to find a soft spot to land. Stan, great stuff. We'll be on your show on Thursday. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, Mark. Thanks. That's the great Stan Saver brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich, Shenderovich and Fishman.
They got your back, not your wallet. Going to talk to Bob McLaughlin next. MLB.com named the player of the decade for every team, and you won't believe who got the honor for the Pirates. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark, you struck my last nerve. You say that like you think I would remotely give a dump. But do go on. The X at 105.9. Joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought you by Fox Bet. Make the call. Download the app today. Adults 21 and over only. Bob, the over-under for the Steeler game this week is 38 and a half. Do you want to try to get your 50 bucks back? Uh, no, I'm good. I, I will not be betting the over while Duck is at the helm. You know, he was at the helm last week, and you just well, that's boldly be- rushed in where angels fear to tread. No, that's right. That's you know, But at that time, I thought that there was, you know, he was on the ascent. His game was getting better. He was getting more and more comfortable back there. He was getting more and more experience. I didn't think that the over could hit that many times in a row. I was wrong. The under I'm paying rather. for it. I under. mean, the under would hit again. Don't you wish? I was wrong. I'm paying for it now. I will not. I shall not pay for it again. Uh, were you surprised that uh, Tomlin named Duck the starter today? Did you think he'd make a move? Yeah, I actually was. Um, it just seems the way, you know, it, it seems for all the reasons that he's saying leave Duck in there and not put Mason Rudolph back in, that's exactly why he made the decision. Now, I still can't get a beat on what he said today, whether he's going to have a short leash or not, but for weeks you hear, oh, he didn't kill us, he didn't kill us, he didn't kill us. And then all of a sudden you have a game where he absolutely killed you, and yet he gets the start after that. So kind of confused by that one. I think he may still be also. But, hey, he you know, he showed his hand. It's going to be duck behind center this week for at least a while. Yeah, do you, how short do you think the leash is? Um, I think if he doesn't control the football, like if he leaves it hanging out there and fumbles it again like that, uh, like he did last week, uh, luckily that was recovered. Um, I think that that's one sign. If he also has two interceptions in the first half, I think that you come out the second half with Mason Rudolph. I think... If he turns the ball over in the first half and the Steelers trail at halftime, he'd have to play pretty good other than that to stay in. Uh, that's fair. Uh, I'll agree with that one. But I think that the biggest thing here is turnovers. No matter how he puts them out there, if there's one or two turnovers in the first half, and I agree with you, if they're losing at that time, uh, that would make all the sense in the world to come out with Mason in the second half. Although he's made this decision to go with Duck, he may just be kind of bullheaded and stick with it. Uh, throughout the whole game, if it's if it's not too bad, like they're in, a, they're they're close again, like they were last week, uh, he may just want to prove a point. Do you think that cheerleading objectifies women? Um, uh, well, let's put it this way: I don't, but I can see how people think. You know, everybody has to pick a side now. Everybody has to take an argument. You know, to its, its furthest right or its furthest left. So if you look at it by definition meaning to degrade something to mere object status. Yeah, some people are going to go to the game and see that, but others, they're just going to say, okay, that's just another form of entertainment. They work hard to do that. they got to stay in shape. They have to look their best. You know, there's talent behind it, so no. Some people won't objectify it, but I can see why that argument is out there. Will you watch the new Fox TV series where Allie Larder, she of the whipped cream bikini in Varsity Blues, plays a uh, 40-year-old single mother who wants to be an NFL cheerleader? Uh, probably not. 
I mean, I have so little TV time. Because it objectifies women or because you think it'll suck? No, I think it'll suck, and I've got too many other shows that I've got, you know, backlogged right now. That guy's ripping on Shameless. I haven't started Shameless yet. Everyone I talk to says that Shameless is absolutely, it's tremendous. So I've got that one. I got to get to. I, I would, but, but again, I'm I'm on Cobra Kai, which is fantastic. Which I haven't started. You know, I was kind of pissed at the guy from St. Clair who runs the show. We were trying to get him on for a while, and he wanted to have somebody else with him on the show. And it was like, no, we just want you. You're the local tie. You're the success story here. Um, so we didn't get it, and I, I kind of boycotted him last year. <laughs> uh, MLB.com <laughs> named a uh, player of the decade for each franchise. Who do you think got it for the Pirates? Had to be Cervelli. What, for his pitch framing? <laughs> no, because the fans love him, Mark. For his pitch framing, because he was a tough guy, you know, because the fans loved him, because he, he was Pirates baseball. Well, Bob, you're wrong. It was not Cervelli for his oh. pitch framing. It was, in fact, Elias Diaz for his <laughs> pitch framing. No, Damn. of course of course, it was Koch. Yeah, it was Koch. Gutsy call. Narrowly beat out Sean Rodriguez. Yes, I was not going to steal your thunder on that one. Yeah, well, Sean Rodriguez, the passion, you know, he brought the passion to the park. Every night. Bob, don't you agree, and I've made fun of it all day, but when you changed your management, nothing says same old Pirates more than two free agent signings of a pitcher with an ERA over eight and a catcher with a batting average of 151. Unbelievable. I mean, whoever, you got to come out with a bigger splash than that, don't you? I mean, it's like promotion 101. Do not sign the 151 catcher for his defense. That's not what people are looking for right now. Um, so who knows? I, I liked, I did see somebody either tweeted you or sent you this uh, picture of Bob nutting on the prices, right? And he was bidding $1 with a big smile on his face. Did you see that? Today? I did. I retweeted it. It's yeah, great stuff. It was your retweet. That is just so appropriate. I, I even with all the changes, they can't get past that until they do something legit to get past that. Go out and sign somebody. Start building a legit team that you want to run well, out well, there on the you field. Know, you don't have to run out there and sign an all-star. You know who you have to sign? A catcher that didn't hit 151. Exactly. You know, you know, you know why they signed him, don't you? Not because of 151, because they're only paying him 900K. Same old Pirates. Yeah. New management, same old Pirates. I rest, Your Honor. In 30 seconds... I'm going to talk about something that would make my mom spin in her grave. That's 30 seconds away here on 105.9 The X.